Hello, everyone. Now, welcome to another time traveling adventure with ARG Presents. Ooh, I'm the good doctor, the fifth doctor, otherwise known as Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who's maybe one of the newer doctors, or maybe the uh, time traveling dog. I give you the brand. Great, Scott! <laughs> you wish. <laughs> You're on that guy's level. How you doing this week, the Brent? I'm doing well outside of the beginning 20 minutes of this tirade of a show you've started. I'm angry, everybody. I'm time-traveling angry. <laughs> but that's not going to stop me. Let's go back to a point when you're not as angry. That would never happen. Oh, I know. But so, Last week, we spun the wheel. We made the deal. And a, a certain man, a special man named Pajaco, he picked a good pie piece, I think. We'll see. The pie piece he chose was, bam, time-travel game. Time-travel, Brent. <laughs> You know, a pretty broad topic, but when I looked at the list of games that were about time travel, guess what? There weren't as many as I thought there were, and most of the ones that there were weren't games I liked. Well, here's the thing about time travel. All right, tell me. <clears throat> There's a few things that constitute time travel. All right. right. You've got, first, your story-based time travel, right? Yeah. Where you do something in the present, and then maybe you go to the fut like a future time period where you're jumping ahead you know, dozens or hundreds of years, and then maybe you go back in the past hundreds of or thousands of years. Right. You've got that kind of story-based time travel, right? Yeah. Then you've got your other type of time travel. All right. Like uh, Prince of Persia, the, the 3D version. Like, oh, yeah. Where you're well, actually rewinding time. I don't count I mean, that's that. still... I mean, yeah, you're right. I just what? Think, How I, in the no, world I can mean, you not count that? Is. But when I think of time travel, I think like... Through time. You know, you know, and you suddenly appear somewhere else like, whoa, dinosaurs. Look at that. It's a spaceship. Okay. That kind of time travel. <laughs> sure. Okay. But both type of games are incredibly well, valid. I know. Is, so is it based off of a story element yeah. or a gameplay element? Those are your two choices, right? And there was actually, there's a lot of games out there. You know, listen, I had a real problems with this one, okay? Really? So, yeah. So let me hear, like, okay. For example, like what? Do you say, understand how many role-playing games incorporate time travel? Well, listen. When I think, I time, mean, when you think, when I say Brent, bam, it's time travel. But what's the first game that pops in your head? Chrono Trigger. Wrong. Time Pilot. That's the game. What time travel RPGs come to mind? Chrono first? Trigger. What else? I know uh, that one. I mean, you've got your a couple of the Final Fantasies mess with time travel. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. you've got your games. Uh, like I said, your Prince of Persia's. Um, I don't play a lot, any of those. A lot of games have you have time travel as an element to allow you to fight different bad guys. That's a really, like, Time Pilot does yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of games like that. What about Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego? Sure. That, Ed, I, Edu-came that's, I just came up with one. That's the only one I've come up with. Wow, well, well you know, done. Let, let me tell you how it works with me with time travel, okay? The thing I do is I'm like, let's look for stuff that has time in the title. And, it, and then they go from there. That's pretty much... that's. It, I couldn't think of any. Time Pilot. It's the only one I can think of. Wow. It's hard. See, I, I went... I did an extensive, extensive search. And I wanted to find something... I, I mean, anytime we have these broad selection game things, yeah. what do I always do? I always go to the arcade. Because that's really where I'm most comfortable gaming at. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with the arcades, all that good jazz. And I said... Darn it, Brent, you're not going to do an arcade game this time. Yeah. So I flipped through all the games about time travel that I've already done that were arcade games. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. You know, Time Killers, uh, the the uh, holographic game. Uh, uh, yeah, the Holosium? No, no, with the cowboy. Uh, the game that you picked, you know, all that. Perfect arcade choices that yeah. would have fit the subject. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Went outside of my comfort zone and picked a C64 game. Man, I live outside the comfort zone. I can, I'm living there now, right this second. <laughs> you know, let's just, I'm going to get into it here. So, well, ironically, as it comes up in the, uh, in the, in the intro video we're watching here, uh, when I think of time travel games, there's three laziness games that pop into my mind instantly. <laughs> well, it's because it's an easy gimmick. You got you got Time Gal, right? You've got uh, the hall the, the Holoseum one that you were talking about with the cowboy. Yeah, why can we not time think of Traveler? Is that what it was called? Uh, it, yes, it was. And then you've got the game I ended up picking this week because I figured, hey, no one ever talks about this game ever. 
So I'm going to be the Wait, first. The game you picked, you think no one no talks, one about, talks about it? No one ever mentions it. No one's ever played it in real life. No one's ever seen it. There's only one guy. It's me. Wow. Amigo Aaron. All right. I kind of pro- thought that was more my I'm game. I'm going to bestow this upon you. All right. When we delve deeply into the realms of BAM! Dragon's Lair 2! You know, Time ob- War. Dragon's Lair. That obscure property no one's ever Everyone heard of. Everyone knows about Dragon's Lair 1. Right? But that one's for geeks. No one can I, can I pause you for just a moment? Yeah. I have a real beef when people do this. And yeah. I'm not calling you out on it. It sounds like it, you're getting ready to call me out on it. Maybe a little bit. And this is completely off topic. Yeah. I hate when people say, like, oh, yeah, it's on the PS1. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, no, I'm talking about Dragon's Lair 1. I hate when people do that. It's not Dragon's Lair 1. It's Dragon's Lair. Right. And the other one is Dragon's Lair 2. Did I do don't that put now? a one on well, things would, that don't have a one. You mean that? You're throwing a Oh my god! It it drives right me. Right my review, it this drives is where me you crazy. Go, well, we're it gonna drives ignore me that crazy. Goofy. There's nothing that irritates me more than a ridiculous, idiotic outburst, especially when anger's involved. Look at that. Picard just did it. Yeah. Anyways, Dragon's Layer Two Time Warp. Time Warp, Brent. No one plays the sequel, but I've not only vibe. Do I know of this game? Yes. And then I play the game. I've played it in the arcade. How many Ooh. people can say that? Because they didn't make uh, him probably bad tens boy. of thousands. Not real. No. Way less. Well, maybe. So, Dragon's Lair <laughs> 2 Time Warp. Uh, published by Leland Corporation. Now, if you're asking yourself, wait a minute, uh, Aaron. Uh, they didn't do the original Dragon's Lair or Dragon's Lair 1, if you will. They did. Uh, that was done by Cinematronic. Well, funny story on the way to Dragon's Lair 2 Time Warp. So, Cinematronics was around for a long time. Yeah. It started in 75. Woo! Can you believe that? Well, so anyway, yeah. Newsflash, they made Space Wars and Dragon's Lair to kind of a big deal. Yeah. All right. Well, Dragon's Lair made them $400 kajillion. Yes, it did. So, they were sitting this huge wad of cash. And as far as I can tell, I can't tell what they did with their wad. Okay. <laughs> but I keep seeing this line over and over. It's on the wiki. It's on all the pages that quote it. It says... Uh, uh, Cinematronics' financial situation deteriorated after some bad decisions. Now, I don't know what that means. You can speculate. But eventually, it, it filed for bankruptcy. That's uh, incredible. Under Chapter 11. That's incredible. Now, it gets better. So, so keep in mind, it's 1983. Right? Dragon's Lair is a big hit. Space Ace, the whole nine yards. Like, right. these games are going crazy. So, Don Bluth and his crew... We're like, listen, we're just going to start making Dragon's Lair 2. We know this thing's yeah. going to be hit. They're right. Yeah. And so they're going crazy. So on March uh, 23rd, I think it was 84, Don Bluth issued a memo uh, that the work on Dragon's Lair 2 was temporarily discontinued. Just keep in mind, this is the... <laughs> it's like 84. The memo also notified employees that until a new project was found, the worker's service was also discontinued. And you know what that means. They're fired. Fired. Yeah. Because Don Booth didn't have anything going on. He said they had mentioned that hopefully it would be uh, not days, or not weeks, but days. It wasn't weeks, but days. Uh, (laughs) July 84, uh, Cinematronic went out to try to liquidate all of its Dragon's Lair stuff. The cabinets, the laser discs, the whole nine yards, plus all their Space A stuff, everything. And Don Bluth was like, "Well, we got nothing. Like we're gone." But so, wow. but the funny thing is, they had concluded. Wait, had, this is funny. Well, it's not that funny. It's not ha ha funny. The funny thing is, they had finished up the majority, almost all of the animation for yeah. the sequel. So this sucker sat on the shelf. So what happens? Well, I mentioned that the cinematronic went. They went bankrupt. Well, they filed for Chapter Eleven. They were going to reorganize. It didn't happen. So, Trade West rolled into town. You've heard of Trade West. Yep, absolutely. And in 87, it was an unfriendly takeover. And they took over the whole outfit and renamed it the Leland Corporation. Now, we know about the Leland Corporation because they've done stuff like Iron Man Stewart. Uh, they did Star Castle. They did, some, they did a bunch of other stuff. So, they did some other stuff. Uh, and so Leland, basically, they became, uh, Leland basically picked up where Cinematronics left because they, they took them over. Sure, they absorbed them. All right. Now, uh, I guess not even less funny is that in, 90, in 93, uh, or in 94, they were acquired by uh, Williams. <laughs> so 
And you know where that well, went. Well, that, that's, the, that's the way video games did. Right, but Williams yeah. did, fell well, off a yeah. cliff, too. So there you go. So, yeah, that's the sordid tale of this game. Now, before we get into the game proper, let's just talk about uh, what this game uh, did. You know, Dragon's Lair is one of the all-time most ported games ever. Yeah. You know, that's been ported everything. I got a list of what the Time Wars ported to, because Time Wars is a far less known game. I mean, it... Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's. I mean, even amongst Laserdisc fans, like this is. I'd say this is well down. It's not at the super low end, but in terms of the main, it's at the lowest mainstream one probably there was. Uh, in terms of people, listen, no one played this in the arcade. Hardly but, anybody. But here's the thing: if you know Dragon's Lair, which tons of people know Dragon's Lair, yeah. you're already hinted in at Dragon's Lair. Well, game. a lot of people just don't know this game exists. Yeah, I understand. I understand. So. Uh, this was ported over mm-hmm. hilariously. It was supposed to be ported to everything, like the Saturn and all these places. It didn't get, it didn't happen. It got a CDI port, which always amuses me. CDI. Hey, they did have all the Blazes games. Of course, this came out on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, and then eventually, this made its way to PS3. That Wii version that's part of that compilation. It's yeah. pretty good. Uh, I, it's I, fine. It looks good. Uh, the, the Amiga, where we... Would you say that's where we first played it? I'm sure yeah, that's definitely where I first played uh, it. The Atari ST, DOS, Mag- Macintosh, and in 2019 they released a Switch version, which I was surprised. But then again, hey, hey, listen, baby. you got to get that, got to get that wide. So uh, let's talk about what this game is, all right? Because this is the old-fashioned, old-time Lasers game, except they just waited a few, almost a decade, to bring this one back. <laughs> so keep in mind, in '83. Like dragons, there you're like, holy crap! Yeah, like I remember when it came out, it blew my mind, right? But a lot of people did not understand what it was, right? First fifty cent game. You guys have heard most of this, but this was a game that ran off of a a new technology called laser disc. It was new at the time, yeah. And you would use your joystick and button to guide Dirk the Daring through a quest to rescue Princess Daphne uh, from the clutches of the evil sins, the dragon. Uh, this was a, 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 a memorization style game. There's no real actual gameplay. It's just you push the button Interactive at, move. at certain times yeah. uh, to get Dirk to do what you need to do to get past that scene. Normally when you did it, stuff would light up and you that's that would sort of tell you what to do. Yeah. Uh, the game consisted of a, of a one four-way joystick, although it was an eight-way joystick sometimes, uh, but it only went four ways. Uh, also, you, a, a sword button yep. and an interesting... Like else, it was like an LCD style or digital uh, scoreboard. Digital, was LCD. very, very strange. Yeah. Uh, the thing to have on an arcade machine, and of course, Dragon's Lair, a huge success. So that's the ex- Dragon's Lair two. Uh, when they started making it, uh, Bluth was like, "Listen, we don't want to just make another one of these. We've got to make, we've got to make some changes to make this more interesting and try to right. listen to some of the critics." Now, again, I want to uh, make sure that we realize this. While this game didn't come out until 91, uh, this game was mostly done directly after Dragon's Lair. Yes. So if you're thinking to yourself, hey, they had plenty of time to like make things like more awesome, they didn't have plenty of time no. to do that because... Uh, they, it, well, they had plenty of time, but the work was already done. Yeah. I, I should mention, since we've mentioned him, Don Bluth was your head animator uh, for the Bluth group. Uh, Gary Goldman... Uh, was in there doing animation. Uh, the uh, programmer was Rick Dyer. Most of the same crew from the original Dragon's Lair. And you had uh, John uh, Pomeroy as your animator. Uh, there are three or four main characters in the game. Uh, Dirk was voiced by a guy named Dan Molina, uh, who was just like the first game. All these people were for the first game that were, you know. And uh, Daphne came back, and she was uh, Vera Lanfer. And well, and when you say come back, again, we have to stress, they didn't really go anywhere. Right, right, right. Because the first game finished, and then they're like, all right, we're doing this other one. Now, the new characters that were featured in this, that's just kind of, this kind of amused me. Uh, Daphne's mother and the evil wizard Mordrock were both voiced by Hal Smith. Which, so a man did, uh, which you just see Daphne's mother, you can understand why they got to do it. Also, she's got more lines in the thing than probably anyone else, maybe minus the time Everyone machine. else ever, probably, yeah. except for maybe the time machine. So, we know what this game is. It's a laser disc game. We yeah. know uh, the style of the game. Let's Interactive get, movie. Let's get into what the adventure is this time around. Uh, and, like I said, Don Bluth wanted to try to make something that, was, that had different avenues of gameplay. Now, 
a laser disc will only offer you so many uh, things you can do. Correct. Uh, but they thought of some kind of interesting things to do here uh, that made it interesting. I should also mention that the laser disc they put in this thing was far better than the one. Well, from yeah, the technology had moved like, a little yeah, bit. This was, not only was it more quality, more durable, but it was actually had the faster seat time. Yeah. It was just all around better. But again, you're talking about a, a, a seven-year gap. There are eight years uh, in between the two games. So in the new version of this game, uh, Dirk, it starts out with Dirk sitting at a dinner table uh, with his family. Apparently him and Daphne have been hard at it, and they've got like a ton of little little Dirks running yeah, about, around. Yeah, about 12 kids. Yeah. And uh, there's, I never quite understood the beginning of this because it opens with them at this table. It just looks like sitting down to eat dinner. And uh, Daphne's mother-in-law comes rolling in, or mother comes rolling in with a with a rolling pin, and she's like, "Daphne's been kidnapped again." Yeah, and she's and she's mad. So like, I don't know if she's just breaking the news to Dirk. Well, yeah, because surely Dirk would just be having dinner. I would assume that you know they. I think they actually live with their mother-in-law. I think she's a, a, a part of the household. She's a real jerk, though. She's not. I don't think so. Dude, she kills <clears throat> Dirk repeatedly. Well, that happens. I mean, and she and she, she's vicious. The first, the whole first part of this game is the mother-in-law trying to violently kill Dirk. <laughs> sure, yeah. So that don't happens. act like she's a fun to live. Would you want to live with her? Oh, <laughs> well, you know. Good but, lord, she weighs up. She's a huge woman, like a she looks like an opera singer. She's got the helmet on. She, and she's got a rolling pin, and she's trying to kill Dirk. The whole, and the whole time, she's bad-mouthing him. She wants her daughter to, to marry the crown. She doesn't want to marry Dirk, the loser. Too late, baby. They've already got a bunch of kids, and that ship sailed. Also, the other thing that you need to mention is all the enemies that Dirk is running from in this opening segment, the mother-in-law doesn't care. Yeah, she just pounds back. them, and it's just like, shut up, get yeah. over it. Really, she should have went after <laughs> yes, Daphne. Yeah. They would have had a much better shot at it if she had went. So, just keep uh, hitting sword buttons. Right, right. So <laughs> once you get into the castle proper, uh, you are in, you're basically at the end of the first game where that was, it's, uh, the dragon's actual layers where you yeah. run in at. Without singe. And there's a, there's a, there's a, looks like a Scottish, like worm dragon boa, thing. Oh, boa constrictor. Is that what snake. that is? Yeah. You can't tell exactly what he is. He just we know he extends it's into the gold. No, it's definitely a snake. But he looks Scottish though. He's wearing well, like a sure. tube with a big ball on the top. You can be Scottish and a so snake. So the whole time you're in here, and keep in mind this is the most frenetic game of all time. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So you're in the castle. You're going through this, and you hear people talking to you. And it, it, the person talking to you is actually a voice coming from a time machine that that sets it. Now you don't know it's a time machine at first, right? But it, it's like, listen, we can, you know, uh, my brother Mordor kidnapped Daph, and we can go get her back. Yeah. And the whole time you're doing going through this scene, this uh, this other stuff's trying to kill you nonstop. Unlike the first game, where you would say like walk in the door and you've got to jump through the wall before it gets built, or you've got to swing across the fire pits. The scenes in this go on. Forever, like minutes no, at a time. Yeah, three, four minutes, and, and well, so, no, not that. No, long. yeah, no. Some of them do, and as you go through the game, uh, there, there, you don't. There's not a moment to breathe. I no, mean, it's, a, it's a lot of input. If you go more than five seconds without an input, it's a miracle. It's yeah. nonstop outside of scene transfers, right? So at the beginning of this game, uh, all you're trying to do is just fire up the time machine and get out of there. Now. I want to touch on something before we get too far into these different right. scenes. One of the things they added in this game was this uh, these hidden weapons. Yes. Okay. And you see one on the very first stage. You, you see two. Uh, the first one, you, you and you'll know when you see them, usually. Sometimes they're a little more yeah, difficult to see. Crazy. I, I think there were 11 of these weapons. Okay. okay. And the first one you see is when you're just getting into the castle... Hanging off to the right as you come to this hole is a is a bow, a bow, golden like arrow. a golden bow, and you you have to, you don't have to get them. And let me refer. And I know where you're no, going to go. No, you're right. You don't have to get them. You can just go blow right by them, right? And they really, when you get them, all action in the game stops. Dirk reaches over and kind of gets them when you point to him. Does and animation, and he yeah. goes like, <laughs> he'll say something will happen or a little, a little. Put him, usually put something in yeah, his backpack a jingle or under his will hat. play or something. And then, and then instantly the game starts back up. And by the way, when the game starts back up, the object is still there, but you've gotten it. If you yeah. see the animation that you got it, it can be kind of confusing. But uh, but once you've got it, you've got it. 
I think the other one was is getting the water. I think there's a thing that you also in the first level where you get there's, like I said, there's eleven of these things scattered throughout the levels. Now you don't think much bow of, and a, uh, the bow and the arrow yeah. are on the first. The, you don't think much about this at the time when you're first playing it, but it, you'll wish you thought about it at, when you get near the end of the game and you need these to finish the game. Well, I mean, how are you going to go into this? Because if not, I'm going to school you. No, I'm not. You don't have to school me. I know how it works. Okay. But they're the endings. You're, there are endings that require these weapons. And, sort and of. we've also got. Then we get into the whole things like director's cuts and stuff, which we'll get into. Okay. Okay. All right. So anyway, because this is going to take forever, I'm, I'm just going to briefly touch on these scenes. We'll be here all day. Uh, the second scene it takes place in prehistoric times. Uh, it's funny because Don Bluth was the guy that was behind the Land Before Time. Yeah. And so that's kind of a neat, comp- that interesting tidbit there. Uh, the third stage, Dirk goes through a, a mirror and into Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And the whole thing here is fighting uh, human playing cards. Oh, it's Alice in Wonderland. And yeah. Gum and the whole nine yards. And then stage four, you go to the Garden of Eden, which is an interesting level because you're confronted with a huge, incredibly uh, hefty Eve. Yeah. Who's, <laughs> and that's a very bizarre. I also say the voice work on this level is particularly irritating. <laughs> This one guy says, go away! And you hear about 50 times that he's oh, real old. Um, now, I think that no, stage five is your is your is is the best stage. Oh, of course, yeah. Everyone. And this is yeah. Beethoven's Creative Guts, it's called. This is where Dirk lands the time machine as Beethoven is working on his fifth symphony. And Beethoven is into it, and he's so uh, into it. It's so magical that, like, the whole piano lifts up into the sky and there's a storm playing. It's the... All the animation in this game is awesome, but this is particularly awesome. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's one of the few times we've ever seen uh, this game, probably the only time in any uh, uh, Legends game where, the, where they, where you'll see action going on the screen, and then, like, for example, you might be in his pocket or something, they'll make a little cutaway scene in yeah, the corner. a little pip, picture in picture. It's unbelievable. The music, the audio, just everything in this is, is, is outstanding. Uh, then you've got a stage in, each, in uh, ancient Egypt, and then finally, you get to uh, the last stage before the finale, uh, which you go one-on-one with Mordrock because he's put a, ri- a death ring on Daphne's finger, and it's basically turning into this big freak. And he's got to go in there and uh, take uh, Mordrock out. I will say, Mordrock, tough guy, because Dirk literally throws his sword through Mordrock's arm. Runs him through Mordrock a couple times. laughs it off and no-sells yeah. it. I mean, this guy's tough, buddy. Real tough. And then at the last stage, sort of a little uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty here, uh, uh, he gets the ring off of Daphne, but she's sort of been hosed, and you think yeah. she's dead, and he kisses her, and she comes back. And even at this stage, you've st- you're this whole time, by the way, there's no rest. No. I mean, all the way up to the very, very end of this game, you've got to continuously keep doing stuff. Yeah. There's- what you would think is just the ending, you know, the last 30 seconds of, a, of an animation, it's all gameplay. Now, and there were versions of this released at home that were yeah. not released in the arcade. And when you in these versions, if you've got the weapons, it gives you a quicker ending. Like you, it's a less difficult. All right, you've got the weapons. Now, if you're playing this in the arcade, you'll get to a point where it'll it will say you don't have the weapons. And guess what happens? You know what happens. Yeah. Whatever weapon you missed, you go back all the way back to get that weapon. It's brutal. It's brutal. I, I, by the way, I never got anywhere close to this, but it's it's a brutal instance. Now, just before, so that's a summarization of how the actual synopsis of how the thing goes. Right. I want to point out a few things that I found uh, really nice. Well, I, I want to talk about the. I'll, okay, I'll okay. get you. So we mentioned that the Bluth Group did the animation on this. Now, of course, Don Bluth uh, was a uh, former Disney legendary, yeah, Disney legendary animator, and of course, he did a. Uh, 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 he did uh, Secret of Nim and Land Before Time and American Tale, a bunch of stuff. And I think this is a game where even more than Space Ace, he was just turned loose. I think without the uh, without the structure uh, uh, or the uh, limitations of doing something like a castle, like this is even this is more bonkers and more insane than Space Ace and Dragon combined. Oh, like certainly. This, this is absolute madness. Yeah. And his animators were certainly up to the challenge. Yeah. This game, every scene is beautiful. Every background, all the characters are, are awesome looking. The uh, uh, the fact that they can even animate this, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's so, f- the action is so fast. 
that I don't know how they could keep track of what was happening. Okay. I mean, it's amazing. I, I don't disagree with you, except a lot of the backgrounds in this game were trash. What? A lot of the backgrounds are designs or nothing at all. But, yeah, there's this, it gives the game, that, I understand what you mean. But I, mean, I don't want to say they're trash. They're just they're they're uh, they're not up they're to the quality of the shapes rest. in a void or colors. Yes, sky. but it gives the game an ephemeral quality that well, I enjoy. It's a time I, travel game involving Dirk the Dairy. I, I don't mind that. I, I like that. I think the reason why they do it is to better separate the action from the background. However, there are plenty of scenes where there are detailed backgrounds. Uh, the uh, uh, piano one being probably the best example. Yeah, with the cityscape and stuff. <clears throat> where yeah. the background adds so much yeah. to what's going on that you really notice it, or at least I really noticed it, when the backgrounds are teased up to the point where they're either missing. There are tons of just black or one color backgrounds. Okay? Yeah, but, but, and then there are, yes, there are. there are a handful of nothing backgrounds or just designs and then lastly there are uh uh good backgrounds so say the backgrounds the backgrounds are definitely the sore point for me I, I in this thought game. i didn't have any problems with them and also okay. what's going on in front of the of the backgrounds is unbelievable yeah now we can both agree that the game looks outstanding oh yeah uh we can we can agree that they did a, attempt to uh Updated to a certain degree with a different game element. I mean, it's not may not no, be the best. I do not agree with that. Yeah, the all. weapons is a slight. Yeah, I mean, it, it, absolutely well, disagree. Okay, well, I mean, that, like, what I said was they tried. I didn't say they succeeded. I said they tried, but they they they, they didn't try. They okay. didn't try the whole. And if you're going to get into it, that's fine. I'll hold off. Go ahead and get into it. I don't know. I don't know where you're the going. The whole here. the whole collective weapons thing. Yeah, that was not what they did. Like collect all the weapons, or you lose. That was not what they had planned. What they had planned was those were going to be actual elements, branching right. story things during the game, and they cut it. They had to. They so, cut it. There was. They were. They. You're right. And so, I, you're right. They, that was now. And again, you've got to, at this point some of this stuff is sketchy. I have read that, but I hadn't. I didn't read it from Don Bluth or anyone that works on the game. Well, who's going to say? Oh yeah, we were going to make something awesome, no, but then we cheaped listen, out. No, that's not. That, do you think that's what they did? I, they, 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 let me put it this I way. Think, this game cost seven million dollars. I think. Okay? I, yeah, I think they went over budget. Yeah, and I think the with the the releasing so much later into the life cycle of of arcade games for one, laser disc for two, they were like, listen. We have got to cut our losses. We know we're going to take a bath on this thing in the short term, in the arcade release. We're just going to have to completely dump this item thing. Because it was so undone, it should have never been part of this game. That said, since it's in there, I don't necessarily think that it takes away from the game. Because you can, you can, well, you can't just ignore it. But they're uh, eight or nine of the items super easy to get. They're super obvious. There's a couple that are really well hidden. Even like the playing cards, a tough one. I mean, it's, it doesn't glow or anything. Well, it doesn't look, yeah, because everything else is kind of gold yeah, colored, but except that one. But I, my problem with it, and my problem with it being in there is it was supposed to be more, and then they literally took the absolute cheapest path see, I, to see, get it part I, of the I, I game. I dispute you right there. Okay. Because that's totally your it's guesswork. No! I looked into this game. There's nothing that says, hey, we cheaped out. There, there is, are reasons things get cut from games. It's got that, that's something that's not budgetary. They laid off the whole staff. We don't know if that had been in the cards in 1984. We no, don't know. No, they started something they didn't finish. But that's not that. You're acting like they're scumbags. And no, they're no, not. no, I'm not. Yes, no. saying they cheaped out is not fair. They, the company went bankrupt. If you have a vision, and then you not do something because oh, it's cheaper not to do it, that's, that's idiotic. That's an idiotic statement. I, you think these guys got to pick what they could and couldn't do? They couldn't just say, "Hey, we need another million dollars." Picked. No, that's not cheaping out. You just it's it was not necessary for the game to be completed, and then, so that's the way it went. I don't think it's fair to go in there and say these guys cheaped out. That's not fair. Maybe yeah. it just got cut because this game had a, a difficult development. Who are you saying? Who do you think I'm saying cheaped out? I don't know. 
Whoever it's was also speculative. I never read for certain that that's what they were going to do. I read, which is why I didn't mention it. I never read for I had read rumors of that, but I don't know for sure that that was going to be an it, element in the it game. It makes perfect sense. That's speculative. Because also, it mentions, if you watch the demo uh, or the opening for this, it mentions collecting the items and things you can do with the items, and then it never Listen, presents it. I'm just telling you, you're going into the realm of speculation, which is fine. But don't deliver that as fact because I'm not going to I'm not going to attach to it. We don't know for certain what they had planned with the weapons. I have heard that more than what they did. Well, I mean, I will say anyway it went what they added was not the best. All right, let's move I mean, on. on a limit on a limited the on, with the limited scale of what you can do in a laser game. They at least tried something because they could have even put that in as digital assets for when you collected them that they not be part of the drawing. They didn't even go that far. But so, go ahead. I mentioned that this game. In today's money, you're talking somewhere near, you're talking way up in the in the in the millions of dollars, six seven million dollars. When this when this thing uh, came out and, they, and when they worked on '84, it ran up a two point three million dollar tab in '84 money. So it was an expensive game. Absolutely, it was a lot side, of hand animation. Well, on the flip side, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it was coming off one of the most successful video games of all yeah. time. So there you go. Now you might be asking yourself, okay. They released this. Uh, they released this so late in the game in '91. How did the thing do? What well, did okay? I mean, I guess um, according to Replay Arcade Magazine charts, uh, it was the top-grossing new video game in uh, October of '91. So for at least a month, it was killing it. You know, again, that as we've talked about many times, yeah, tracking video games and, and how much they earn. I didn't get release numbers on the amount of cabinets they released. Yeah, that would have been big. I was lucky when I lived in Kentucky, they had this game at the Kentucky Arcade briefly when I lived there. And the funny thing is, I got to play it. I was horrible. And then I didn't play it much because it was so hard. I played it a few times. And then the game broke, and it sat behind the counter at the Kentucky Arcade for years. Yeah. And I kept approaching the owner to buy it because I was like, I know this is going to be worth a lot of money. It was in good shape. Uh, he never would sell it, and finally I talked to him, and he apparently had sold it, just not to me, like a jerk. Uh, but uh, there you go. Hey, that Garkey went out of business, and that's what you get. Aaron hates everything. That's right. Well, I'm just saying, cut me, cut me, cut me a break, pal. So, Brent, we've talked about this game more than we should have. What are your final thoughts on the gameplay? How does this compare to the first one? If it, is it, what's your thoughts? I mean, we know okay. how it played. It's considerably harder. Yeah. Considerably harder. Yeah. Uh, everything is grander in scope, scale, and quality. Um, the There is no added elements. This is not a video game. It's an interactive movie. And I know we've had that fight a million times. It's a video game. Uh, but and, and there's nothing wrong with it being an interactive movie. Interactive movie still is fun. It's still uh, tremendous to watch and experience. Uh, but this is one of those things like... If I'm gonna, if I was gonna pick one or the other, I'd pick Dragon Player because I'm way a way more familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, B, I can put in fifty cents or or credit it up on my keyboard and actually make it somewhere, as opposed to this game where I always feel like I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and C, while the time traveling aspect is fun and and kind of interesting, I personally would rather just have the castle setting and go with it like that. This game has a many flaws. Okay, I, I, First of all, I agree with you. I prefer Dragon's Lair game-wise. Game I mean, it, it, I mean, of course, it's beautiful. They're yeah. both equally beautiful. Oh, yeah, right? the animation's a killer. So I'm not going to stop, you know, but so here's here are my problems. One, in Dragon's Lair, often, in fact, I think every time, when you die, you start the scene over, which is brutal. It's brutal. These yeah. scenes are long. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, Dragon Slayer, the original, plays like a video game in that you go scene to scene. It's funny, the technology being sort of crappy actually helps. Yeah. Because I like it to be broken up. Like less seat time on the disc means yeah. you, can, you can only spend so much time well, in a in a sequence. The big advantage is if I can't get past the Black Knight, I might be able to get past the cauldron. Yes. If I can't get past the swinging ropes, maybe I can get past the rolling ball. Yeah. And this you are going to get past this stage in order. And oh, by the way, they also just randomly put in mirrored stuff just so people could memorize it. Yeah. That's built into the game. Yep. 
So if you think you can just go through and memorize, and by the way, memorizing this, you'd have to be a, a double genius. Well, I mean, it, it is, gives you the flashes and everything. No, but I understand. there's so much going on. Yeah, this game. If you're a, if you were if this came out in the arcade, I, I I could tell you my experience. I put a quarter in it. I didn't get to the castle. Okay, it took me forever just to get to the castle. Yeah. And I remember the first time I actually got in the time machine, I was stunned. And the scene after you first get in the time machine where Mordok's on this, like, mountaintop, and it's just an awesome scene. You're just yeah. like, oh, my God, and then you instantly die. Yeah. This game is too hard, and it was, and the scenes are too long. This is the game, if you want to watch this game, it's perfect for yeah. that. It makes you nervous, but it's perfect. But if you want to try to play it, uh, it is hardcore, hardcore stuff. And I think that ultimately was a downfall of this game. It just it, I didn't think it would ever get an audience, and it never really got one, did it? And, and this, the death scenes in this, while some of them are incredibly awesome, uh, it doesn't have nearly as many death scenes, which is kind of crazy considering a lot of those got cut. By yeah. the way, there uh, you go. You can go on a rant about those too. So uh, <laughs> you've got that's a thing, and then the other issue you have is uh, like you mentioned. If you aren't good at a stage, screw you, buddy, because you're you're gonna <laughs> you have to get past it. This so. is what if you know people that are good at this game or portions of the game, it's because they've played these portions hundreds of yes. times. Uh, we did get some Discord action. I was surprised actually, Brent, that we got uh, any Discord action on this. Um, Jack Flack chimed in. He says, "If you thought the first one was hard, welcome to your nightmare." Dragon yeah. Slayer Two picked up the pace and throws so many moves. At you that you can barely hear the dialogue over all the joystick beeps. <laughs> the opening scene, which involves getting Dirk to the time machine, has around 35 moves at a pace of one to two moves per second. I never played this one in the arcade, but I assume my playtime would have been measured in seconds rather than minutes. That's true. Absolutely. The developers tried to help players by giving them directional prompts, but focusing on these makes watching the animation impossible. And they don't help that much, really. It, I wasn't very good at these games when they were new in the arcades, and somehow I'm worse at them now. Thank goodness for YouTube. Dragon's Lair 2 first appeared in the arcades in 1991, eight years after the original, and long after the magic of latest games had passed, making this one truly a game out of time. Very well written. It's almost like he's a writer or something. <laughs> Pajaco chimed that in That flat as well. guy, he's going places. Yeah. Pajaco writes, and this is his category, Despite owning this, I've never properly played it, so I finally had a crack at doing it. It's not simple, but tough and unforgiving game. However, controlling an actual animation and cartoon is awesome, and you can quickly get into a rhythm to get through it. No, I couldn't. Um, it's not always obvious which direction you should move. Yellow flashes could be diagonal from Dirk, leaving you uh, to guess which direction was correct and which, was, uh, which is a little harsh. But what utterly killed the game for me was getting close to the end and being suddenly greeted with a static screen telling me that I needed to collect treasures to continue. And I had to pretty much start over. Imagine seeing this in the arcade. You have pumped a mountain of coins. I'll probably have cried. I ended, up, <laughs> I ended up watching a playthrough. I saw some of the treasures, but not all of them. How anyone completed this game in the arcade without going bankrupt is astounding. Sadly... Knowing you can't progress until you have all the treasures puts me off playing it again. It's worth playing to see, but be prepared to play uh, more than once. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. So there you go, uh, the Brent. Um, you know, this is one I always sort of wanted to own. I like the look of the cab. that had a different look than the first Dragon's Lair. But these, I looked on eBay to see what these are going for. I weren't any available that were currently for sale, but I looked around on the auction sites and stuff. Uh, and these things are going for stupid money. They're rare. They're difficult to find. Of course. You're, 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 you're yeah. going to be playing thousands of dollars. Uh, the discs can, maybe can be found cheaper. Uh, Probably but, not. Uh, you know, you'd have to have the cabinet to play them, I mean, or a cabinet. I'm not sure these are backward compatible. I don't, I don't think they are. Uh, yeah, uh, so no there you go. There you go. Uh, Dragon's Lair 2 Time Warp. I think that at least fulfills the... Uh, uh, the need for the time, the time travel. travel gimmick. Ah, we'll see. Oh, listen, that was perfect. <laughs> but now, you uh, went in a different direction. I mean, it's funny. Uh, the big budget, millions of dollars game that Dragon Warrior 2 Time Warp was, and now we're going to talk about your game, which I would say had quite a smaller budget. Well, I don't know. This could have been worth millions. <laughs> uh, I went, like I mentioned before, to the C64, the vast library of the C64, 
And I pulled out Battle Through Time. Bam. What a name, eh? And let me tell you something, Aaron. I'm excited. I never ever heard of this. Never. I had never heard of it. Absolutely. Of course, never played it if I've never heard of it. Never seen video. Never seen pictures. This was a a true ARG find. How did you how did you uh, come across this a one? lot of just poking and prodding, man? Okay, fair Seriously, uh, this was a game uh, that was uh, developed and published by Anrog Software. Uh, it, the designer on it is Kent Grant. Released in 1984. What a glorious year! And this is, and would you call this a Moon Patrol ripoff? Yeah, yeah. This is like if Moon, <laughs> if Moon Patrol and, 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 Tom, and Pilot Tom Pilot had a baby. Had a baby. Yes. yes. So if you are familiar with Moon Patrol, uh, the gameplay is nearly identical. Uh, you are in a jeep. You are. Uh, we, we, we don't know it's a jeep. It's a jeep. How do you know? It's a jeep. Look. Well, I mean, it, I think it's some kind of advanced time vehicle. It is. It is. But it's a jeep. Um, so you are, the gameplay in this is you are forced scrolled uh, to the right and you will have enemies spawn above you in the form of aerial vehicles and you will have uh, things spawn on your ground level as you're driving in the form of holes or rocks uh, and, and some enemies in later stages. And your uh, task is to travel through time uh, to defeat the ultimate bad guy at the end. And I'll spoil that a little bit later for you. But just so you know, there is a boss battle in this. I will say this game, it's got a lot of surprises in it. It does. It really <laughs> does. So how does where's the time travel element come in? Well, you start off fighting in World War One, And you have World War One style planes, biplanes, and they're dropping these real slow-moving bombs. Uh, as And you have great... While you are forced to drive forward at all times, uh, you have the ability to move forwards and backwards through about a, the first half of the screen. And the controls on this are mega tight. They are so good. They're... Well... Mm, what? I've got one. I'll little, let you I've talk got, later. One, just one problem. I'll let you talk right, later. Uh, so you start out in World War One. Uh, then once you get to the end of the level, you are are teleported through time, and your your next destination is World War Two, where you have upgraded planes. <laughs> yeah. The the ammunitions that are fired at you are a little bit faster, a little bit better. Uh, from there, you jump to the Korean War, where now you're fighting jets. Uh, and, and they have uh, uh, like almost like guided bombs. Uh, then from there you go to the Vietnam War. Uh, after that, then things get a little crazy because now you jump to World War Three. And it, before it'd be saying you know like nineteen you know forty two if you're in World War Two and whatnot. <clears throat> when you get to World War Three, it's just you know question mark question mark question mark and. You are fighting futuristic things. First of all, apparently they have control of the weather uh, in World War III because there is a, a undefeatable cloud menacing overhead that continuously throwing lightning bolts at your guy. I just assumed that Ziggy was driving the, was driving <laughs> the uh, car. And, and you are fighting what appear to be like robotic satellites, and they're trying to drop bombs on like, you and whatnot. Uh, it looks like headphones with a satellite dish strapped on top. Uh, they're, they're definitely the kind of ugliest enemies, I There's would say. weird looking, that's yeah. for sure. The uh, future's got some weird weapons. <laughs> But and they they're shooting laser beams, so it, it's yeah. fast moving projectiles, uh, usually right on mark. And then from World War Three, at the end of that level, and here's what really blew my mind: they nuke the planet. They absolutely show all these nukes going off in the cityscape, and the screen flashes, and then the game's like, you know what? Y- you done did it. You then destroyed the whole world. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. It's not if, like you did it. If C-64s were in control, this would have never yeah. happened. That was surprising, honestly. And so, you, and then you're thinking, you know what? End the game, right? I beat it. Awesome job. No! It goes on. Your next stage is war mutations. 
Now you're having to fight all the beasts that are left over from the radiation, and they're they're dug into the ground in like bunkers and stuff, and they're trying to reach out and grab you, and you've got barriers on the road. And not even that's the end, right? Now you're like, okay, what in the world are they going to do now? Now is when they send you back into time uh, to early B.C., and you're fighting cavemen. And the cavemen are coming a few varieties. Uh, they'll throw spears at you, or they'll throw boomerangs at you, or clubs, and you've got to deal with that. And your sky enemy are, are pterodactyl. So you have, you've got pter- and pterodactyls are tough. You can't just shoot one of those things. You got to shoot it like five times before it'll go away. And the pterodactyl is always menacingly coming down the screen. Yeah. And of course, if it gets on your level, it just flies into your ship and kills you. So you have to shoot it multiple <laughs> times. Yeah. And at the end of this stage was the biggest surprise in video game history. Are you going to spoil it right here? Heck yeah. You have to fight a (laughs) T-Rex. And the T-Rex will just continuously move forward. Screen stops continuously scrolling when the T-Rex appears. And he just menacingly walks towards you. He has no actual attacks, except if he gets close enough to you, he just steps on you and you're dead. So you have to go up there and really hammer home the shoot button. Yeah. Uh, a few things to note that really made this something special. Uh, as you're going through, there's a few things they could have done to really cheap out on things and they didn't do. Uh, thing number one, when you shoot down a plane, most of the time, 95% of the time, it actually spirals down and becomes another projectile that you have to deal with. Now, if, if it's in a downward spiral, you can shoot it again, blow it up, get bonus points. Uh, everybody's happy. But if you don't, it will eventually crash into the ground, and that it that can kill you as well. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. Beautiful touch. Beautiful touch. And on one of the stages, you're, you're getting attacked by helicopters. The helicopters don't do that, because it wouldn't make any sense. Uh, the helicopters just blow up in air. So all of the enemies through all the different time periods are in crazy unique. Crazy unique. And they all have uh, different speeds that they travel and different ammunitions that they fire. Thing number two, and you have to kind of look for this one, Aaron. You might have missed it. I hope you didn't. The backgrounds in this game, while they're all just mountains and hills, that kind of thing. Drawn in MS Paint. Well, it's a C64. <laughs> oh, good. It's do better than that. As you progress through the years this you know when you first start out it's kind of a rolling hills there's some roads there's few houses and that kind of stuff but the cityscape gets built up more and more and more until world war three it's just it's almost like you're driving through a city there's so many buildings in the background but when the when we nuke the planet all those buildings are gone there's just rubble every once in a while. This is the key element you pointed out. Oh my god, it's so awesome. That is attention to detail that takes a game from, eh, you know, this was kind of fun. For me, for me, is the kind of attention to detail that elevates a game to a whole special level. Um, the worst aspect of this, and I, I need to go ahead and mention it and get it out of the way, the sound in this game yeah. is all... Uh, classical uh uh well you're already off the base well so okay not all of it some of it is classical beethoven type music now listen the the second the first level of this is plays like it's like one of the wars i can't remember it's like uh green berets or whatever. yeah the second level which takes place in world war ii they're playing when johnny comes marching yeah. home again yeah then they when they go to korea they're playing the theme for mag yes yeah then the, which then the fourth level, they're playing uh, the theme from Apocalypse Now. And then my personal favorite uh, is when they get to the nuclear war level and they play the the, the uh, Imperial Death, the Imperial March for Star Wars <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the background. Like, and, and by the way, it's like these things were pecked out by a four-year-old on a small keyboard. Yeah, the the, uh, the like this is the least attractive synth music of all time. It's not good. Yeah, the music in this are not good. The sound effects are fine, uh, uh, you know, but the music or and the graphics are they're good for early C or mid C sixty four. I think they're fine. Um, however, the 
the highlight for me is the incredible gameplay. Aaron, I know incredible you're itching. Gameplay. I know you're itching getting here. What do you got to say? Well, I will say this is one bonkers game. I yeah. mean, it's about, it's crazy eight bonkers, this game. The fact that you're in a time traveling this moon buggy or whatever. Gee, yeah. And some things in it, and I, there's some things I don't like. All right. Okay, the moon buggy, is, you're right, the control of this thing, this moon buggy crushes the original. Oh, of course, gosh. Of course, yes. it's operating in, with, with, in gravity, yeah. so that helps. It has an impeccable brakes and incredible acceleration. When you hit the button, you shoot. When you hit up, you jump. Yeah. Jumping is hard. I, the one that, oh, okay. the control element I didn't like was jumping. I didn't have any problem with it. I did. I had trouble getting, now, the, the funny thing is, this doesn't have nearly as many, like, things to jump. At least on the early levels, as Moon Patrol does, you mostly are shooting and dodging, which that's okay. The jumping element's not there that much. Occasionally, you'll come. I can assume. I, first, I thought it was a guy laying in front of you, shooting at you, but now I think it's a hurt guy. Like cause, you know, the white thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those I think those you know, are in, like in Time Pilot. You would get the parachuters. Yeah. This, par this is these are like injured guys. I guess, but it looks like. They're sort of amorphous on the ground, but I thought they were laying down like shooting a gun, and I thought, I'm going to run this sucker over, but actually, you, pick, you get points when you pick him up. Yeah, I'm yeah, you pick him up. I'm assuming you pick him up. The funny thing about the graphics on this, it's all, this reminds me of a game that was built to look old, because the graphics in it look like, are, are pretty remedial, but the funny thing about it is, they smooth in like multiple planes, yes. and they're as smooth as silk. And even stuff like clouds will flow by. Yep. I mean, it's the darndest thing. You look at these horrible backgrounds, but they're they're Not horrible. They're, they're charming in a weird yeah. way. I don't know what to say. Airlock scrolling all over the place. This is C sixty four. This is one kooky game, and the music's bad. But their choice, the music is so funny that I almost forgive them for how horrible it is. But it's a, and the funny thing is the game, when you start the game, it plays a song and it's pretty good. It's way better yeah. Yeah, than any the song theme. that appears in the rest of the game. Absolutely. At the bottom of the screen, it's set, it's got like all kinds of different information. Like there's a time limit and the miles, uh, and the scores. And it's, but it's, it's kept pretty minimal in this game. It's not like it takes up like, like it's just part of the ground. So really you don't lose any game oh, space. Oh, yeah. No, it. I agree. You know, listen, uh, uh, the Brent. You're you're as dumb as you are stupid, but in this case, I think you I think you're onto something. I didn't hate this. This is my kind of wacky. Aaron. You take two totally unrelated <laughs> gameplay elements and you mush them into a ball, and you're like, let it go, and then add some remedial background. And as you get through this game, the, like you said, the the enemies get more and more goofy. Yep. And weird, you know, and the <laughs> and the fake ending. I like that. Yep. The fact that you go fight dinosaur at the end. I think they just threw that in there. It's like, yeah, we're going to do it. And they did it. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. It's got a high score table as well. Yep. Uh, I dig it. I'm, it well, like I said, I didn't like the jumping element, but it's not a deal breaker. And you do get used to it. Uh, uh, it's not as smooth as Moon Patrol in terms of that. Is this a better game than Moon Patrol? No. Yeah. It's certainly more diverse uh, in terms of the... <laughs> The levels. It's a weird game. I'm not going to lie. It's a weird one. Okay. First of all, how far did you make it? I got to Vietnam. Okay. I beat the game. Nice. The first time did I sat cheat? down. Oh, no. I continued. I continued because yeah. there's a continue option in, built into the game, so it's not like a cheat or anything. Uh, I was so I was so enthralled by this game, I had to see where it was going. I absolutely loved this game. It's, it's I loved it. I think this is a better Moon Patrol than Moon Patrol. No. Because the controls are so tight. They're so good. When you want to move your Jeep forward, you just move it forward. If you're getting ready to get blasted, you hit the brakes. Uh, the the sprite collision detection is so good it's actually flawed. Because if you, in um, uh, Moon Patrol, if you jump, right, and something clips your butt while you're in the air, it will still hit under your Jeep, blow up, and you won't get hurt. In this game, if you get hit at all, you're going to die. And you die in the best way possible. Well, You get ejected from your Jeep, yeah. okay? And it's not the same animation every time. If you just get blown up from above, 
your guy might fly up into the air, a varied height, by the way, uh, fly up in the air, and then you'll eventually come back and splat on the ground. But if you hit a rock going full speed, your guy cartwheels out of that vehicle at light speed and flies halfway across the screen and just plumps into a pile of goo. Fantastic. It's all the little details. It's everything they added, added to the enjoyment of the game. Holy cow. Plus, plus, once you beat the game, right? You're like, well, this was kind of fun, but it's gotten easy now, right? No. You can start on the second world, the second loop of the game, which adds volcanic or asteroids continuously falling from the sky. Oh, I didn't get to that part. That when they hit the ground will make holes. Oh, sort of like the spaceships in, in yes. the Patrol. So oh, I was why they it had that adds part, a whole new difficulty element to the game that just ramps it up beautifully. This might be, uh, like I said, I like this better than Moon Patrol. I, I got problems with Moon Control's controls. Uh, I like this better than anything I have played on this show, minus like Yeti, uh, and there's a few other games. Now you're going absolutely nuts. Iron, I love this. I loved it. If you, if you have a brain in your head, you will quit watching us right now. No. Load up a C64 emulator and give this a shot. Don't do that. It was fantastic. Nonetheless, I don't think the game is that great. It is. Uh, but I do think it's wacky. No, it's, it's great. Certain you, should definitely, you should definitely load up uh, and give a whirl. But, yeah, it's uh, I, that's all you can really say about it. Uh, we did get some uh, Discord action on this one as well, the Brent, if you can believe it. We got, we got a lot of Discord action. If you are looking for a new way to play Moon Patrol, this is it, man. Uh, oh, my gosh, it was so much fun. So, Jack Flack chimed in. All right. Back me up, Jack. He said, if my mission was to travel back through time and sabotage the Allies by destroying a thousand Jeeps, then consider the mission (laughs) a success by shrinking the graphics, altering the physics, and making the falling bombs nearly impossible to see. Oh, they weren't that bad. Someone took the already challenging game Moon Patrol and made it nearly impossible. Half the time I never saw what killed me, and the other half... Uh, seemed unavoidable. It was amazing we ever won a war with the Jeep this fragile. Burial. By the way, I didn't have that trouble. I will say that. I could see everything perfectly fine. Um, Pajaco chimes in. Come on. Pajaco's going to back me up. At, at first glance, this game seems quite promising. But sadly, poor bullet collision and janky Oh, you're so insane! It was perfect! Let this game down. I played on an emulator with a laptop, and even then I had trouble seeing some enemy bombs. So playing on a CRT must have been very uh, hard. I can't comment to that. I played on a flat with a trip, screen. with a with a trip trip to Mash World War Three and distant past and the far future. The level themes are quite fun and, and weird, or varied. Excuse me. This is uh, <laughs> I this think is both pot- are applicable. This is potentially a great Move Patrol inspired game that could do with a bit more fine-tuning. If you want to see it all, the snapshot save uh, will come in handy. It's it's worth a one-off play session for some crazy later levels, but not one I can see myself returning to. Four out of ten. P.S. I would have called this one Time Patrol, which I think I called some stuff earlier. So it looks like Everyone. But Jocko, you're crazy, my friend. Looks like it. Looks Holy like a, crap! Go back and play this again. Looks like a lot of burials there for your uh, your all time great game boat, Junior. Now you wait think? a minute. There was another review. No, that's it. It's all I got. No, no, there was another review. Is this one where you make up to make it look like you're less stupid? I don't think so. No, I'm telling you, someone had to have seen the brilliance of this game. Besides me, you know, Aaron, I had high hopes. I mean, you 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 did okay. If you I, I thought it was okay. If you don't think that. this is a second, oh, you're right. Z9 K9. I almost dropped the ball there. Good thing you mentioned that to Brent. Uh, despite grub, despite despite grubby appearances, I That's thought fair. this was a very solid game. Immediately time savingly challenging, but fair once you adjust it to its pace. The levels are tactically varied, and the plot exceeded my low prompt expectations <laughs> with humor. Lots of fun and very one more goish. The C64 full of these dank jewels. 
7.5 out of 10. So there I'll you go. I'll accept that. that I, I, Z9K9 came to your rescue. I felt it was a little higher than that, but uh, maybe, I spent, maybe I spent more time with it. Maybe they didn't get to see the T-Rex fight and that battle. Uh, man, I, I really I really want you guys to check this out. When I, I think had of, so much fun. When I think of Dank Jewels, I think of you. Uh, the brand. Oh, that's okay. You know what else I think of? It's some of the things we occasionally Pizza? spin on the wheel. Let's oh, get it going, man. The wheel, Aaron, for this week. Yeah, I was excited you were going to play this. Before we dive back into the uh, uh, new selections, I since I thought we were doing a time travel theme, I took us back, Aaron. Remember when we had wheel locks? Yeah. I have re-added the wheel locks to the wheel. Is this a one-week This only is a one-week only Is this spin. because you didn't print any new pop? That can't up? be it. Uh, so here we go. Also, I see the new logo or the old logo. On yeah, the why'd wheel? you put that on it? Time, time travel. travel. My God. And the winner is not one of the locks. What did you get? We are going to be playing a little bit, Aaron, of burger-based games. Oh no! It finally came up, did it? Thanks to Terry H. Holy cow! I've been looking forward to this one. Burger-based games. Aaron, would you like me to announce my game right here live well, here's on the, the air? Thing. We've already played Burger Time on the show. That's right. I'm not so, going Burger uh, Time. Yes, please go ahead and announce your game right now. We will be taking a look, uh, at least for my game, yeah. my game, we will be taking a look at the Burger King Classic Sneak King for the Xbox. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to have to ponder this, but I, don't, I didn't have a ringer. Uh, and I didn't have a ringer standing by like you did, so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna dig in <laughs> and find what the only. There's probably only two or three of these things. <laughs> hey, hey, Terry's lost her mind. I love her to death, but she's out of, out of control. Yes, Sneak King. I there can't wait go. to review it. Somebody helping you announce the game the second that the show is uh, finished up. Anything we need to talk about here at the end of the show? I guess, uh, I want to talk about. You know, we have decided to, uh, and I haven't got a date for you, but I do have a, a month and a time. Uh, towards the uh, towards the middle, towards the end of May, we're going to uh, do another International Computer Club, Brent. I've been I've been bullied into it yet again, and so <laughs> when are you going to uh, do it? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Doing stop. It? <laughs> uh, if you are interested in participating in the International Computer Club, uh, please uh, get your uh, get your uh, project going, or think about a presentation you'd like to give. Now's the time. I'm going to formally announce this on the next Amigos, the exact date and time. I what don't are know. we, crap? I don't know it yet. Uh, that's why I haven't, I'm, announcing that we're, I'm, I'm announcing the announcement here. Is that not good enough for you? Uh, but uh, we're going to get something cooking on that. Uh, we definitely want to talk about Boat Fest, Brand. What do you think boat about... Fest. We've uh, been out. working on Boat Fest here. What, what's your thoughts on the old Boat Fest right now? Anything you want to it talk about? It is going to be a happening. Yeah, we say that every week. It doesn't really mean much. That's one of my favorite lines. Uh, Friday, June 24th, and Saturday, June 25th, 2022. Are there still tickets available? There are still. you got to get them quick. Limited tickets, way. yeah. Uh, because, uh, uh, in fact, I think, I know there are still some left, but there's not a ton. Uh, so if you're interested in coming out of Boat Fest, listen, for those people that are on the, uh, they're pondering it, they've been like thinking, Whoa. well, it might be fun. Listen. Whoa. West Virginia is, is crap. A, no, it's, what you, <laughs> I'm just playing. Go ahead. West Virginia is a friendly place. And you're going to be rolling in literally right. It's just like any other interstate on earth. You can come from anywhere in the east on the eastern side of the country, or all the way to Oklahoma. We'll get Oklahoma coming here. He's making the drive. So all you Texans, all you people in the South, all our Southern brothers, all our Northern friends that are interested, uh, get in, get in on it, man. It's an easy trip. You won't be going out in the hollers. It's all interstate the whole way. And uh, if you uh, order, and the tickets are out. Uh, send me a message, and I will see what I can do uh, about getting you in. So this is... Well, you just sneak them in the back Well, I'm door? saying this is this is last call. You know what I'm saying? These things aren't going to last more than a, a, another week or two, I'd say. And, and that uh, would be very fortunate. So, uh, but well, we, have, we have fire marshal regulations. Yeah, so. it should be a lot of fun. Uh, of course, myself, uh, the Brent, John Boat of Karshar, the namesake of the event will be there. Two days. Jack Flack. Yeah, I was getting our, him. Uh, our, our good buddy Jack Flack will be there. Frank uh, from RetroRewind.ca will be there. Elkhurst Boyle will be there. All of our Canadian for Jason Warrens will be there uh, coming up. O'Ron will be there. Uh, Taste of the Crypt is going to be there. We're going to have a lot, big crowd here uh, coming in for this thing. A lot of people you've seen on the show, a lot of the Teen Speaker regulars are going to be here. Uh, Spartan will be here. Uh, 
uh, uh, and his son. So there's going to be a lot of the team speaker regulars that will be down here. A good Matt, uh, Frazzle one will be here. Should be a good time. So if you uh, feel froggy, hop on down and check us out. I think that's all we got to bring. You got anything to close us off with? Nope. All right, listen, uh, everyone have a nice week, and we will catch you guys on the flip side. Uh, and if you have a time machine, please, I beg of you, go back in time and fix all the many mistakes no, we made. No, go back in time and watch the episode two episodes ago because it probably didn't show up in your feed. Well, that's, that's a good point, too, but I would also fix my mistakes. Until then, sayonara. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our Vector Style graphics and Bart Pitt for his amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG Presents. Just like these fine folks. Rolo, Olaf Hope, Aw, Terry Howard, John Schaller, The Slow Norris, Frodo NL, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Andy Jones, Kevin Bean, Jocko 6502, Bitter Blitter, Anthony Jarvis, Steve Rathmason, Bernhardt Lucas, Dave Velociraptor, Ram W. Vetke, Roshi, Mr. B, David Terrett, Super Tech Boy, O'Rom, Sundown, Texas Foosballer, Airshack, Retro Allergy, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, Templar Mar, On Collective, and Laurent Garou. They all have access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord channel, their name displayed and called out in the credits, and that warm, fuzzy feeling that they help keep ARG spinning. And you can too! Have an idea for a wheel piece? Send it to us at argpresents at mail.com. Did you know? BoatFest 2022 is a go. The Retro Computing Festival put on by the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You can find out more at BoatFest.info. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And you can watch the replays on YouTube every Wednesday. Hope to see you there.